Podcast ain't played nobody. Super, super hurry up edition as I have to catch a flight <laughs> in New Orleans and I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana right now, where in true professional sense, I consume somewhere between two and 200 drinks in the last 48 hours in the name of journalism. Um, Bill, are you ready? I uh, consumed about one to two drinks last night, so I am definitely ready. Great. Well, as usual, I'm the dumber one. Let's go. Uh, number 25, uh, by the way, you can officially buy your way into football success, apparently, because, hey, there's NC State just right after we talked about them on Thursday. Yeah, this one kind of surprised me, but I looked into it a little bit. Um, yeah, they moved up 15 spots for beating Wake Forest, which is kind of funny, but um, basically Wake Forest had a really good defense, and uh, NC State put up like 535 yards on them um, and really kind of didn't didn't give up much until the game was kind of in well into garbage time, I believe. And poof, they go up. And as a way of kind of figuring out exactly how they moved up that far, the teams right below them, Oregon dropped from 20th to 26th. Stanford dropped from 9th to 28th. Um, uh, Iowa dropped. uh, Texas dropped. A lot of schools dropped. That allowed them uh, a slight rise to become a relatively significant rise. Hey, man, no different than any other poll. uh, We'll let people complain about North Carolina being at 27. Uh, We can talk about that on Wednesday. Number 24, Bill. University of California at Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I watched much of that game last night. I did I'm not gonna, watch a stitch. That's my say. pregnant pause right there. Uh, yeah. So, um, but they looked, you know, Arizona, a team that took, just took, uh, you know, Washington to overtime. They kind of manhandled them. I know that UCLA fans are frustrated with the offense overall, but I think part of that is just because expectations are so freaking high. And maybe that's justifiable. Um, they do still have the new offensive coordinator. Uh, they do the the offense is dragging down the defense a little bit. The defense is m- maybe more as best so far, and uh, that's there they are. Twenty three. Is it time to get serious about talking about a five and zero Nebraska team? I know there was obviously some off field stuff we're going to talk about this week on the podcast. Ain't played nobody. We're gonna have a special edition actually, but we're not. We're just yeah. gonna tease it. Um, this is a 5-0 Nebraska team, and in a world of 8-4 and four in Lincoln, Nebraska, I mean, make your Big Ten West joke if you want. Nebraska's 5-0. and Yeah, they're, they're, they're clearly solid. Uh, they struggled to put away Illinois. They blew some chances, but they did put away Illinois, just like they did put away Oregon. They did put away Northwestern. Um, they are winning, and... Uh, they have a very good chance now of, uh, you know, they, they do play at Wisconsin in a couple of weeks. They do play at Ohio State. They, do, they have probably the second hardest of the of the schedules from those four West contenders that I mentioned before. But but I won't mention it. Well, your dog's not around to bark, but regardless. Um, but regardless, they are in pretty decent shape right now, I think. Although, you know, at Indiana, that's looking harder. I'll let her know about that. Number 22, Boise State. Um, this is the team that... I guess you probably should be angriest at Houston right now because Utah State was one of those, hey, maybe it could be a problem teams. They're 4-0. It wasn't pretty at all. It was another game no one paid attention to. Relatively low scoring by Boise standards, 21-10. to It doesn't matter. They're just going to kind of probably keep on keeping on. Um, yeah. We're not going to have that San Diego State mega matchup that we thought. We may no. still have it, but it's not going to be the same. No, not going to be 12-0 versus 12-0 because South Alabama now has beaten San Diego State and Mississippi State this season. Um, Watch out for them Jaguars. That's right. They're three and two now. Um, but yeah, so Boise, you know, their their offense has carried a, a good portion of the of the play so far. Utah State slowed them down tremendously, uh, but Boise's defense carried the day there. The old Southern California Trojans coming in at twenty one. Um, I don't know how much more we can say about this. This is uh, is this one of those teams that's going to recalibrate once preseason projections kind of wear off, or <laughs> well. 
They did. I mean, they were they headed into this week. They had fallen to thirty fourth, but they destroyed Arizona State. Um, you know, it was it was forty one to six heading into the fourth quarter. And Arizona State isn't great. Uh, they're not that bad. And so this is what makes talking about USC in any context so frustrating because we know they're capable of this, and then they don't show it for a month. Um, they're kind of the Tennessee of the West Coast, I guess. But anyway, well, what happens when a team? Outscores their opponent twenty-one to seven in the first quarter, and then outscores their opponent twenty-two to three in the fourth quarter, and then loses because that's what we have with TCU. They're at number twenty. I was I was dumb. Like so, by that point in the in the day yesterday, we had just things blowing up left and right, and uh, you know all these amazing games were coming to a conclusion, and then uh, Clemson and uh, Louisville started, and I saw. I saw on the DVR, like, well, I mean, I could go ahead and record the end of this OU game, but, man, they're up, like, by 20-something. So I'll go ahead and save the space. I won't record it. And then, boom, 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 it was 49-46. Number 19, Tennessee, this is officially a team now where we just have to uh, we have to stop putting metrics and standards on them because the Hail Mary puts them in a, in a swing position of going from, my God, how bad could the SEC East be and how inconsistent could this program be from half to half and even quarter to quarter to, you know what? The hand of God, five and zero, going into a mega matchup with A and M. Now they probably should have beaten Georgia six different ways that they didn't throughout that game, but they did, and it doesn't matter. And that's one of the outliers of college football, so that's okay. Yeah, the uh, second order win measure that I use that I post there on the NC, on the S and P Plus page. Uh, that's basically you know it looks at the end of each game. You know, based on the stats of this game, you would have had like a seventy percent. You would have won it seventy percent of the time. So it's a good way to kind of see the teams that have been lucky or unlucky overall. Uh, they played five games. Their second order win total is three and a half, which means they should probably be either three and two or four and one right now. They are not. Uh, and, and as we've been saying, every single time you survive, and that's all you can say about what happened yesterday, every single time you survive, you have a chance to figure things out. So here you go. Now you play Alabama and um, uh, some other uh, Florida, I guess, in the next couple of – no, not Florida um, – uh, A&M. A&M, Alabama and A&M, A&M. A&M in the next couple of weeks. You know, Godspeed to you. If you want to start playing like a top five team, you got all the goals on the table. You just haven't yet. So uh, we'll see. Number 18, Wisconsin. Um, I don't know how I could be more impressed with a team that loses a uh, 4-0 team that struggled at home against Georgia State, which we knew was was not necessarily indicative of the overall like core product here. But a 14-7 loss to Michigan, and I'm, that's probably the most impressed I've been with Wisconsin all year. Yeah, their defense is rock solid. Um, you know, Michigan isn't the most dynamic offense, but it had been uh, quite solid so far this year. And Wisconsin basically, aside from like one drive and then one long pass, they completely shut Michigan down. The offense had nothing to offer. And I'd like to point out a little symmetry right now. We haven't talked about Oregon because they fell out mm-hmm. of the top 25. But uh, Wisconsin is fifth in defense and 100th in offense. Oregon is fifth in offense and 100th on defense. So... The only solution is to merge, and uh, Oregon's offense and Wisconsin's defense would be the number one team in the country. Oh, I think that uh, Oregon would be totally okay with that right now, more so than I think anyone would imagine. Uh, Number 17, Auburn, not much to say here. A palate-cleansing win. They desperately needed one against a, you know, a really bad ULM team, but it's the first time in a while that Auburn's just gone out and sort of methodically done what they were supposed to. Uh, You know, coming in off the LSU upset, win, game that happened, I guess you could call it. Um, You know, it's... They just haven't had any kind of consistency, and so, so it, it is what it was, and, and now we get to kind of maybe have an idea if they really have fixed problems against Mississippi State next week. 
Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Now you look at the at, at the the overall rankings. They lost to number four Clemson. They lost to number eleven A and M, and now they've beaten an LSU team that bolted to number nine that we will talk about in a minute. So suddenly, you know, that looks very forgivable. And they start. They're actually because of the way the other rankings are going. They're actually almost kind of looking like a normal number seventeen team, which is interesting. That makes sense. All right, Houston's good. They're at number yep. sixteen. They took apart a team that beat them without Greg Ward last year. Um, you know, it was it, it was fun to watch the little the little pocket amount of revenge hype or whatever the hell you want to call it going into that game. But no, they did exactly what they were supposed to. They're going to continue to do that. I really don't think we'll, we'll get to this at the top of the rankings. But to me, that Louisville game lost no luster in the way it ended last no. night with that with Clemson. So. This is still a Houston team that is now just kind of focusing down to don't screw up against Navy, and that Louisville game is going to be monumental. I am still worried about how much is on Greg Ward's shoulders just because we know Greg Ward gets hurt. Um, but, I mean, he they had no running game other than Greg Ward against yep. UConn. And he, Catalan, he has not, Catalan has not been the, the, the balance or the equalizer that they thought. Well, either that, even either that or they're just trusting Ward more. I don't know if it's because of just his knowledge at this point with the book, but they haven't. He's still the run game. Right, and Catalan wasn't uh, – he was, I think, suspend, either suspended or hurt. Um, I'm blanking now. but So, he, I mean, he didn't play, but the other guys didn't really fare any better. But Catalan's been okay. Yeah, um, no, I, I'm, I'm talking more about the Catalan that was right. – even the Catalan that played. They had success against Houston and not so much against Cincinnati. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, they've got time to figure it out. That's the beauty of an AAC yeah. schedule. Uh, man. We were so close to not having to worry about number 15 anymore, and I, I guess that's a spiteful thing to say, but hey, Baylor's 5-0, and okay. Hey, by the way, just congrats to Iowa State. They, they, they figured out how to do the points and touchdowns thing. Yeah, I was mad at them because in, in, when I was running the team preview for Iowa State this year, I was, I was kind of looking at them like, you know what? I actually think this could be a team with a little bit of upside. And then they tried as hard as they possibly could in September to convince everybody they had absolutely no upside whatsoever. Uh, and then they scored on their first six possessions uh, to go up 42 to whatever it was, 21 or 28. Uh, but no, power to Baylor. They are a very run-centric team now. They ran 62 times and threw 22 times, and it worked. They had uh, Linwood and Williams had 363 yards. Seth Russell added, added 88. It's a weird identity. Their defense is up and down, uh, but they are undefeated. Uh, you know, we don't want to talk about them, but they're they're a solid team. Uh, probably as solid as you can offer up in that conference right now. Number 14, Virginia Tech on a bye this week. Um, that's kind of about where I expect them. I mean, you know, it's they may be the quietest team in the, in your top twenty-five right now, just because of. I mean, this is an undefeated team that doesn't turn the ball over against Tennessee. That's still figuring itself out. I guess this one seems to be the slip through the cracks team right now. Maybe they get that Michigan State vibe. Yeah, uh, you know, that was um, the only noteworthy thing about them right now is they're ahead of the team that beat them, Tennessee, and I, I can at least sort of justify it. Um, no, their defense is rock solid. Their offense is still a work in progress, but they have a top 10 defense again uh, after kind of screwing around last year, so good for them. Number 13, a team that you cannot justify, you incorrigible human being. Uh, Florida State's 3-2, and two, they're number 13. North Carolina jumped to, what, up from 30 to 27. Yeah. Um, is this eventually going to come out in the wash because this is officially now not the not the knolls we've been talking about um while i talk i will look up the little box score thing i have for this but i think this was uh just one of those things uh, just a really strange game like they 
Um, really probably had quite a few chances to put the game away and did not. They finally did in the last minute. I don't know if you saw Francois's touchdown. It was gorgeous. Yeah, uh, yeah I did. And then uh, you know, they lose anyway because of a pass interference call and a, and a, and a long field goal. So, I mean, power to Northwestern. I, I've already gotten yelled at by – I mean, not Northwestern, North Carolina. I've already gotten yelled at by North Carolina fans. But, um, you know, I, I can kind of see how this game ended up just kind of being a wash overall. So, okay, so North Carolina win expectancy was 56% for this. So, you know, maybe mm. FSU could have fallen a, a couple spots. But, you know, oh well. Um, continuing a trend here, perhaps number twelve, uh, two and two Oklahoma team. They beat TCU. They set up one of the most lackluster yet. Also, I mean, I, do I throw do I throw out an anxiety bowl label on Red River? I know we're not supposed to look forward yeah. on the, on these Sunday editions, but um, I don't know if we learned anything new about Oklahoma. I didn't get to. I only saw bits and pieces of this game, and and this is one that I'm not saying we'll we'll do the box score on this one, but. It's one I want to take a, a better look at because, well, obviously they were better on offense. Well, right. I mean, yeah, I think the, the interesting thing is they're, is they're at 12th right now with a number six offense and a number 66 defense. That, I mean, that basically spells it out. That spells out where their troubles are right now. Their offense has not, you know, they, they had a couple, they had some glitches against Houston. Um, and, you know, so be it. And the fact that they scored on Ohio State uh, is impressive as Ohio State has the number six defense right now. So, uh, I mean, this is still the same thing. They, they lost to teams number 16 and one. Um, losing to Ohio State is just not, uh, I mean, right now Ohio State cannot be touched. They are number one, and they are still over uh, overachieving their projections every single week. So, I mean, you take that out because Ohio State's incredible, and they lost a kind of a not, a, not a fluky game to Houston, but a toss-up game decided by a kick six, basically. Uh, and Houston's number 16. So, I mean, they're all in that same range. Number 11, Texas A&M. Uh, they're 5-0. and They won a game they were totally supposed to, which is, again, when you're, when you're coming back and trying to reestablish legitimacy like they did with the couple Manziel years in the SEC, you just win the games you're supposed to in road play, in league play. And it wasn't pretty. It wasn't ugly. I was a little surprised. South Carolina, they had close to 400 yards, and they're probably one of the worst offenses in the country right now. They, they will freely admit that. Um, Muschamp knows a lot about these styles of offense, but still, you know, they, they did what they were supposed to. They were balanced. They're fine. They move on. Um, you know, yeah, they, not, put up yards, they put up 422 yards. They put up 422 yards on what might be a pretty solid defense. So, um, yeah, this A&M is I, – I was saying it before the season. Like, if they, if they end up achieving at a higher level than we think, it's because of that experience level that they haven't had in a long time. And I think they're, they're just learning how to win slogs. That's not something they were very good at. But, you know, it's 14-10 heading in the fourth quarter. They, go, they make the plays they need to make. Uh, number 10, Miami. One day Mark Rick will write a book about um, the, the true way to scheme against the triple option team because I, th- I think he's seen them a, a, a thousand times now. This was not the game that Miami was going to drop unexpectedly, I think almost certainly by virtue of Rick. Now, granted, in most of these situations, he has a more talented team, but um, Miami, legit. Miami, maybe, could could Miami be favored against Florida State soon? I think so. Well, yeah, I actually, I haven't checked the line yet, but um, that's uh, very, very conceivable. I mean, obviously, S&P is going to project them to win since it's in Miami. So um, this is a, this is a team that has, I mean, this is the same thing we were saying last week, I guess. They have passed the tests they've been given, and they've looked really good passing them. And so until they don't, we they are the team we've seen so far. They're still held down a little bit by the preseason projections, so they really played like about almost a top five team so far this year. 
Um, yeah, no, I mean, their, their offense is a little on the inefficient side. That's fine. Uh, their defense is awesome. Manny Diaz and Craig Kuligowski, uh, a hell of a pair. I love that. They, they love their havoc and they're getting it. Uh, number 10, or sorry, number nine is LSU. This is the one, obviously, I can speak on the most. There's, so there's two teams in your top 10 that are three and two, LSU and Ole Miss. They both make a ton of sense right now. So I just sat down with the, uh, the head coach of LSU. You may have heard of him before. Uh, basically, they couldn't do much on offense, he told me this week, in terms of overhaul or shift or some sort of, like, throwing out a playbook and reinstalling one because that's just not how it works in college football. But Ed Ogeron told me what they were able to do was go back to a couple fundamentals, find strengths on offense, and then run a lot of a lot of the same plays out of multiple formations. And it, if it all sounds very Southern California heyday, well, where do you think it came from? Um, they were hugely successful. They set a record for, for the school record for, for yardage in a conference game. Um, this is the team that this was the this was the product people were screaming for in Green Bay. They got it at least for one night. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens now that you know there's film on the quote unquote new LSU. But I mean, Missouri hearing the Missouri coaches all week, they were all kind of paranoid. Like we don't know what changes they're going to make. We we're just going to prepare for you know kind of the base. We're going to prepare for Fournette. Whoops. Um, we're gonna we're just going to try to do some basic things. And they were just they were flat footed all night. I haven't seen. Um, a Missouri off a defense that hesitant in a long time. So power to LSU for doing things just different enough to make uh, to make Missouri very unsure of where the ball was going. And when they overcompensated, Darius Guys would cut back uh, the other direction, abuse a linebacker or safety, and go for a big gain. So no, I mean. Yeah, the the Missouri fan in me has plenty of questions of their own, but this was just this was uh, the kind of the best case scenario here coming out of the gates. Don't you don't have to change much. You get everybody fired up. You get everybody with the right attitude again, uh, and you run the ball really well, like you were supposed to all year. Yeah, I mean, trust me, there were LSU fans agog at the concept of throwing uh, throwing to set up the run was was something that they were. Uh, they tr- it looked like that's what they were trying to do out of the gates. They threw three or four times in a row to start the game. It didn't really work, and then they're like, "Okay, fine, let's run the ball." Oh, hey, look, it's working really well. Uh, number eight, Florida. I thought it was really uh, courteous of Will Muschamp to pull double duty yesterday and coach two teams in league play. Um, Wow. Uh, you know, Jeff Collins still got really good defense. Um, yeah, that's why, that's why they're there. They're 75th in offense, but they're second in defense and fourth in special teams. Uh, they're annoying me. I, if they're going to play like that more often, I would prefer they fall further in the rankings than where they currently are. With the inconsistency with injury and suspension over the last two years at quarterback at Florida, it really is hard to draw a conclusive picture this many games in as to what they're going to be with McIlwain. But one thing's for sure is, that, yes, the previous coach who everyone loves to make fun of recruited his ass off on defense, and they have a really good DC right now. That's about as consistent as we can get on trying to figure out what the hell's going on in Florida. Number seven, uh, Ole Miss, uh, always a game that they hate playing because Memphis treats it like the Super Bowl. Um, They were, I guess, uh, a little shaky. It was the second or the third quarter where it got close, and then they eventually just kind of pulled away because Memphis's defense has seen a decent amount of attrition. Um, I wouldn't say, again, I don't think we learned a whole ton from Ole Miss. They can still – they're definitely streaky. They're still very, very streaky, and they definitely felt like they – or I didn't see all this game. I saw bits and pieces, but they definitely fall into stutters and, and, and stunts where they, they don't know how to – really, they don't have a second or a third gear. They have a first and a fifth, and that's eventually <laughs> – that is going to get them – uh, maybe against a team like Arkansas that's going to be a little bit more methodical, but it's it's a problem they still haven't fixed. The, they're just really, really talented, though, on offense. They may have yeah. the best wide receiver core in the nation. Yeah, I mean, that's 
They, and maybe they, it's tripped them up as much as it's already going to, too. They, you know, they do have the two losses. But it was funny because, um, you know, they're up 27-7 early in the third quarter. And then uh, I think in one, I, you know, then it's 27-14. And then the next ticker update on whatever game I'm watching, it's 27-21. They're going, oh, my God, they're going to they're gonna do this again. Uh, and then in the next ticker update, uh, it happened so fast they had to just update it twice. It, the score went from 34-21 to 21 and then 41-21 to 21 in the same update. Um, they just, they, they finally, they put a game away. Eugene Brasley scored a couple times there late. Um, I was actually, I, I was happy with this result because both teams looked good. My numbers really liked Memphis. Yeah. Um, and they put up 474 yards on a good defense. Um, they just gave up 624 in the process. It'll probably be a full season before we give Mike Norvell any kind of credit because of Man. what was left behind. But I mean, there's, they really haven't lost much in terms of what they want to do on offense and what they can do. Number six. Uh, so I'm sitting in a restaurant in Baton Rouge on Friday night and we're really wanting to keep an eye on this game. And it, it was just a series of blurts and, and expletive, positive uh, oriented expletives when you would see a situation like, oh man, okay, Stanford's down, but oh, look, well, I mean, they're in third and three. This is where they, oh, oh God, oh God. And then just a lot more sort of sporadic, almost Tourette's-like swears. And I, I don't know what else to say other than, how rare is it, especially in a far-flung corner in the non-traditional parts of college football where you have a really, really hyped team come into the season, wait around a couple of weeks against inferior competition, and then they come out and they're probably even better than the dumb amount of hype that we put on them, at least for one night. But my God, Washington looks good. Yeah, I mean, Arizona kind of threw us off the scent last week when they, I mean, they really struggled in that game. But this was how they were looking the rest of the year. This is how they looked in most of their wins last year. This is why they were projected so high. I obviously didn't expect 44 to 6. Uh, and I actually got, you know, I, I took my foot off the gas big time with whatever hype I may have given when they did go to overtime with Arizona. But this, they, uh, rushing success rate, here's your stat for the game. Washington, 46%, pretty uh, above average. Stanford, 13%. Stanford, a 13% rushing success rate with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield and what is always supposed to be an excellent line. Not an excellent – it's an okay line, but Washington's defensive front was awesome. And they it's totally okay to overhype this game. I mean, they, they took every the single thing that – not only does Stanford do well, but they do well – they do better than almost anybody else, and they turned it against them. It was absolutely yeah, th- amazing. This was set up as a kind of a, a game where Washington, you know, gets to test itself as to what it's wanting to become. It wants to become Stanford. Well, they – they out Stanford at Stanford. There's no doubt about that. Uh, this is a game I'm going to go and, and watch again before Wednesday because I just I, I really can't get over it. I mean, if this if this concept works, I don't want to play it forward too much. It really was a, a much smarter move than any of us thought for Peterson to bide his time for years and years and then find a power five equivalent to the Boise apparatus. And he may have done that at Washington. It's just insane. Uh, number four, number five. Um, I, this this gives me total faith in your metrics, sir, because I don't think Clemson. Or I'm sorry, I don't think Louisville deserves to move down, but just a skosh. Literally, do they Louisville deserves to move down about as much as the the yardage needed for the first down conversion yeah. on the three yard line in that game because I thought they were remarkable. I thought they were the better team. I thought they were incredibly resilient. And the narrative against the playmaking, you know, dumb mobile quarterback, it, it was shattered because Lamar Jackson led what I guess two comebacks technically, um, <laughs> you know, in an insanely hostile environment, which, by the way, every time ESPN does a Saturday night game in Clemson, it always looks like it's shot like a feature film. It's amazing. I love it. I love it when they do that for anybody. I mean, even if it's like, you know, what South Carolina a couple years ago yeah. and Virginia Tech so awesome. last year. I wish they do that every week. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Clemson good still does not, still doesn't look like the Clemson offense that we saw last year, but doesn't matter. They're 5-0 and now. They're setting up 
to control the ACC. And if you right, – shit, right, right now if you control the ACC, you control a, a playoff bid, maybe yep. even a one or a two seed. Um, number three, Michigan, it was a seven-point win. Doesn't matter, though. Yeah, no, I wasn't. I thought I, I thought they would find a little more success against the Wisconsin defense than I did. I don't. I mean, I can't really judge them very harshly for it. Wisconsin was very strong. Michigan's uh, special teams uh, was lacking. Uh, they could have put that game away a lot more, uh, er, a lot earlier than they did. But they missed a series of field goals, um, and that was. Yo, I'm not the the vengeful type, but uh, I got yelled at a couple weeks ago by Michigan fans uh, for how low their special teams ratings were because they had blocked some kicks. Um, that's not the way the special teams ratings are set to work. Uh, and I think now, I think I think they might be onto something with a, a number 109 ranking uh, in special teams. That's why that's why they're behind Alabama. Otherwise, they'd be ahead of Alabama. Uh, number two is a team that is five and zero in a convincing manner. Has taken on any challenge it's been met with, and still really doesn't feel like it knows itself. And that's Alabama. This week was just by virtue of the opponent being so inferior in Kentucky, but um, it's just really hard to understand what this version of Alabama is going to be. Um, they don't have to worry too much, though, because they're still fundamentally sound when they need to. But this was just a completely inferior opponent. It was Kentucky. funny. I, I, um, at halftime, I saw it was seventeen to three. I'm like, man, they're they're really not playing very well here. Well, I guess wait, they're still on pace to win thirty four six, aren't they? It was the, it, it was the Ty Hildebrand special. The the guys at Solid Verbal coined it. I mean, it was a crockpot. It was just you know it's that deceptive way of thinking you're only two scores down and you're almost halfway through the game, but you know what? They're just going to slowly boil your brains out. Right. And that's yeah, that doesn't mean you're going to catch up two touchdowns. It means they're going to add another two touchdowns in the second half. Like it was, it was a perfectly symmetrical game. Three, three in the first and fourth quarter, 14, nothing in the second and third. Hey, guess what? Ohio state's good. And Rutgers is not, and I'm totally fine with them still being the number one team. Um, they're my number one team in my playoff pick, which is about as scientific as anything I do. So take that with a grain of salt. Rutgers sucks. Uh, they know the head coach pretty well, and they beat him 58 to nothing. Um, oh, man, I hate to play in a narrative, but I guess we're just going to have to wait for the game, aren't we? This is just going to figure things out. Yep. So, uh, yeah, my only word on Ohio State is they are number one, and they still overachieve S&P Plus, like, the projection by, like, 20 points every single week. It is absolutely ridiculous what they're doing this year. I'm comfortable with so very little right now, especially in the Southeastern Conference. I feel a lot better about – not that I was on a Washington train, but I think I know what's going to come out of – you know, I don't even feel that great about Clemson after last night, but now I think I know Washington, and I definitely know that I th- that Ohio State's the best team in college football right yeah, now. That, like I said, they're still young enough. They can, they might just lay a giant egg sometime, but it'll have to be a pretty big one for the, for an opponent to catch up to them, I think. Absolutely. All right, Bill, we're going to talk about all this in depth on Wednesday. I'll see you then. Yep. Shout out to Gary Danielson. Oh, uh, man, I forgot to go. Well, hang on a second before we get off. My boy, I'm standing around at LSU tailgate yesterday talking to fans about Les Miles, and then people start coming up to me and be like, hey, man, your dude's on TV. Yeah, sort of. So, yeah, I was walking the dog, and he dropped a, uh, what did he call it, rundown, standard downs uh, that Georgia was struggling to run the ball on rundown. So, yeah, that, and he mentioned uh, Sacre, uh, Justin Sacre a, few, a couple of years ago, too. Like his, his CBS production team uh, gives him a lot of stuff, and he takes what he likes. And- 